0: We have a historical psalm before us again this morning. We have 48 verses before us today. So uh, we have nine uh, historical examples in this psalm this morning. And so uh, we're going to get into this. I have a lot of supporting verses. I'm not going to read all those. A lot of those I'll just refer to. I might hit the underlying parts of those. Some I might, I might read. And uh, I think there's just a, a wealth of truth here for us today today great exhortations, a great balance we'll see before us here today, and the mercies of God. And I'm really hoping that we leave here with just a a greater appreciation of God's mercy, and it stirs our heart to praise Him more, to give thanks to Him more. And we'll see it as mercy. Part of that is Him correcting us, as well as just being patient and long suffering with this because of his covenants and who he is so we're going to jump right into verse one and verse one will lay a a lot more of the foundation for the other 47 verses and then just make our way down through here we'll be a lot of this takes place in numbers that's talked about and so forth and uh, we went through that book uh two three years ago on wednesday night phenomenal book and uh There'll be accounts here that that probably most of you be familiar with, but if you're not, you wanna go back and read them, Uh, the references. I believe all the references are in the notes. If there's a a section here without that, I'll I'll help you out with that afterwards, and uh, we'll just do our best here. So let's start off here, verse one. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And so again, we continue to get this charge to give praise to God We've seen this in these last three Psalms before this. You see it throughout the Psalms, but especially in this little series here, there's a great emphasis on giving praise to God. To praise, it means to recognize with adoration. You know what? Are you recognizing the Lord throughout your day? You know what? Throughout the breaths that you take, throughout your, you know what, thinking and your actions and your motivations? We want to recognize the Lord and do it again with adoration with a love for him. It also means the paying of reverence. And so it's not just praise the Lord and that I have no reverence to God in my life but I have reverence to God and what I do and how I conduct myself. I wanna give reverence to the Lord. I wanna give awe to God. I wanna recognize him in everything I do. So praising the Lord, it's vocalizing praise to God, but it's our heart attitude and how we live. It's really seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as we've been talking about this the last few weeks, let me ask you, how did you do this past week? Did you praise the Lord more than the week before? And if you say, you know what, I I think I may have. I'm not really sure. How about we just make it our aim in this week to come that we just started this morning to say, yes, Lord, with your hope, all the more I want to praise the Lord. Can we say amen to that? Because we don't just want to be hearers of the word We want to be doers, James 1, 22. We don't want to deceive ourselves and just say, yeah, I I sit around and get Bible study and we go verse by verse. That's good and wonderful, but we want to act on the word. And I know absolutely the Lord wants to empower us to act upon the scriptures to his glory so praise the lord and then he says oh give thanks to the lord and we talked last week about giving thanks to the lord we saw there colossians three seventeen, and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him and absolutely he is worthy of all praise and he is worthy of all thanks and as I ask you, did you give more praise to the Lord last week than the week before? Let me ask you, did you give more thanks to the Lord last week than the week before? Look at it, let's do that this week by God's help. Let's be a thankful people. Let's be a people acknowledging him, giving him glory and honor. And absolutely we should, as we see in the verse here, because he is good and his mercy endures forever forever. I love Psalm 104, or 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and enter his courts with praise, be thankful to him, and bless his name, and some may say, well, why, why should I? Well, notice what it says, what we just read here in this verse as well, for the Lord is good, amen, God is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth, this is huge, endures to all generations, His truth is not null and void in this generation. It hasn't changed for this generation. His truth endures to all generations. And again, his mercy endures forever. And as we go through this psalm, we're going to see incredible pictures of God's mercy to rebellious Israel. So many times in Israel's history where she rebelled against God. But the Lord gave the promise of the Messiah coming through Israel just as he gave the promise that the Lord will sit as governor over Israel, which will happen in the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And despite her, he was merciful to her. You know what? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And we need to recognize how merciful God is. Again, how oftentimes do we say, well, why do... Bad things happen to good people, and really it should be, why do good things happen to bad people? Because God's standard is perfection, and every day, hear this, we perfectly fall short of his standard. But because of his covenants, because of the shed blood of the Lord, we can enter into relationship with him, and all the more abound in his mercy. We're going to see a word that comes up more than once here, the word despite, despite. And we'll see Israel rebelled, but despite that, God was merciful. We'll see he's merciful to correct them, and he's merciful to suffer long with them because of his covenants towards them. And as we read this, we don't want to say, well, that's interesting for them back then, but I'm here now, so it really doesn't apply to me. You better believe this applies to us. We read there in 1 Corinthians 10, really 1 through 13, That these things are written for our learning they're written for our example that number one we won't follow in their patterns of rebellion which seem to always revolve around forgetting the lord not remembering the lord and we talked a lot about that last week that charge to remember the lord and we'll see again god correcting them and so we learn from that look at the more you learn about mercy it shouldn't be well god's merciful i'll just do what i want to do it should be all the more god's merciful i don't want to take his mercy for granted and to know part of his mercy is correcting me not just striking me down on the spot with a lightning bolt and also again his mercy and his mercy is seen in his long-suffering towards us notice here i want to read a little bit here of first corinthians 10 because again it sets the table for this psalm so good moreover brethren i do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud all passed to the sea all were baptized into moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them the rock was christ he's talking about the exodus there We'll kind of pick that up in the passage here in a bit. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And we're going to see that in the psalm. Yet despite the rebellion, God was faithful to Israel as a whole. Now notice verse 6. And we really want to take this to heart as we start down this historical psalm. Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust, lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters of some of them, as it is written The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, as some committed sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in and one day 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them complain. And I all, always marvel that idolatry, sexual immorality, tempting Christ and complaining is tacked on there with that, you know, kind of gives us a perspective, nor complain as some of them complain and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now notice here, all these things happen to them as an example That they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So we don't want to read this as a, oh, that's Israel. But i that's not me. I stand. He says, take heed. Learn from their example lest you fall. And then great encouragement, again, of God's mercy. No temptation has overtaken you except that is such as common to man. But God is faithful. And we'll see that throughout this. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Notice verse two. Again, let's read verse one again because we just laid a lot of groundwork. Praise the Lord, or will give thanks to God for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all this praise? Now we're called to praise the Lord and we better praise the Lord. Jesus said if we don't, the rocks will cry out, and I don't want no rock doing my job. And you know, our high calls to praise God. But listen, when you really look at this, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praises? No one can. Because his acts at his mercy just even go beyond our ability to be able to bring him all the praise due him. I mean, even the scriptures there in John, speaking of Jesus' earthly ministry, John says, I suppose that not all the books in the world would be able to contain all the things that Jesus did, speaking about his earthly ministry. That's just talking about the Lord's time here on earth. God's the one that made the earth. God's the one that sustains the earth. There are so many things going on in the universe right now because God hand, God's hand is upon them and sustaining them if we took one second, we could take all the people in the history of the world and we could take our entire life and we wouldn't be able to begin to declare all the praise of what God did in that one second. That's how awesome He is. Don't lose sight of that ever. Verse 3 Blessed are those who keep justice and He who does righteousness at all times. And listen, that's a description of Him at all times. God does what is just. God does what is righteous. He is upright at every single turn. In him, there is no darkness. There's no shadow of turning. He is absolutely epitome of perfect love that rejoices in truth, that hates iniquity, that is absolutely, again, honorable above everything at every single moment. Listen, there's also an encouragement for us when we do justly. When we walk in righteousness, now we know that we're justified in Christ, right? Praise God. It's just as if we had not sinned and positionally we're right with God. We're in a place of, again, righteousness with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then practically in our lives, again, when we do justly, when we walk in righteousness, there are blessings that come from that. Again, in this psalm, we're going to see kind of the opposite of that, of what happens in rebellion, the correction that comes from that. And that is a blessing as well. But far better. Obedience, again, is far better than sacrifice. Look at, far better to say, I want to obey the Lord in the first place than get chastened by the Lord and have to bring sacrifice or ask forgiveness of my sin. Again, Micah 6.8, he has shown you, a man, what is good? Or this is the good life. This is the blessed life. What does the Lord require of you? To do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And listen, the only way to do any of those things is to abide in the Lord. To abide in the one who is just, who is righteous at every turn. As Jesus said in John fifteen five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit notice for without me you can do a little bit no without me you can do nothing nada zip zero lord get that in our heart now notice here verse four and again this is the psalmist kind of laying out a prayer as he get, begins to get to, to, to dive in to the history of of, of Israel's rebellion and God's mercy to them and and he's saying this what we're going to read here knowing he's a sinner and asking God for the same favor that he shows to Israel as recorded in this psalm and he's asking for this favor and this mercy not to get a license to sin not to be able to again walk in gross rebellion and then say well I got grace and mercy so it's all good if you got grace and mercy and you walk in rebellion God is going to take you to the woodshed Otherwise, you're illegitimate, and you're not even born again. So he's not asking for a license to sin, but he's asking for this same mercy, understanding that he's a sinner just saved by the grace of God, through trusting in the Lord, through faith in the Lord. And he's wanting those benefits that come with being part of those chosen by God, that absolutely all the more he can rejoice in the Lord and glorify the Lord, it says, with all of his inheritance or with all those with with faith in the God. You know, we're his inheritance. You know that this morning? What a glorious thing. So let's just read the prayer now. He says, remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have towards your people. And again, he's gonna talk about this favor despite them. So remember me, give me that favor. He says, oh, visit me with your salvation that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones. You know, there's benefits in following the Lord. There's glorious benefits that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance so that I can glory again with those with faith in the Lord. It's a good thing this morning gathered together with people that know the Lord Jesus Christ. You're glorying this morning with God's inheritance, with those that Jesus shed his blood upon the cross to inherit us. Listen, he did that to fulfill the perfect will of the Father out of obedience to God and absolutely out of his love for us and that we would be his inheritance. And that's a a glorious thing. Now notice verse six. And he begins to, again, set the tone for what's here to come. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. And he's gonna start down nine or so accounts of national sin iniquity and wickedness and again you got to slow down if your response to reading this is saying yes they were horrible people indeed and you hear that a lot when it comes to israel look at so many glorious things god did through israel but israel is a picture of mankind and you hear people curse israel today and you hear people shun Israel. And you hear people say, God has to be done with Israel. Look at all that she's done. Again, it's really an antichrist spirit that comes naturally to natural fallen men. That's why there's so much anti-Semitism in the world. It's really an antichrist spirit. But it's also blindness and ignorance. Because let's just point out their failures. And people say, well, they crucify Christ. Well, listen, we all crucify Christ. The Lord went to the cross for all of our sins and we could take any people group and if we just want to start pointing out there oh you know even a Sodom and Gomorrah how foul how wicked boy look at the United States of America today how foul how wicked and so forth look at we are sinful fallen people so in reading this if it's like boy they're horrible, horrible people slow down because notice here first John 1 8 if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And again, when these types of matters come up, or maybe people even sharing their testimonies, speaking of failures or struggles, if it's oh, I'm aghast, oh, you know, and you we'll slow down. Because the Bible says if we have no sin, we are liars, and we're walking in a self deception. And maybe some of you this morning, you know what? The Lord's shining a light right now on certain self deceptions. None of us have practically arrived. We're all a work in progress practically positionally we're washed thank you lord practically we're working things out but there's good news verse 9 if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's the picture of someone walking in the light lord i got a struggle here but i need your help wash me and then cleanse this out of me lord so It no longer is the sin that easily ensnares us. And then on the other side of this, you know what, John 1, 8, 9, and 10 sandwich, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so we want to take that to heart. We're all sinners, We've all committed iniquity, but he is good. He is merciful. He'll correct us, but in Christ, he will not forsake us. And that's the crux, really, of the psalm here. Now, notice verse 7. He starts to get going here. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Look at that group of people that were there in Egypt. They saw God's hand move like few others have seen God's hand move in the history of the world. Again, we know that they were in a bondage. They were in slavery for a number of of years. And yet God was even using that to multiply them, putting them in the place of, again, an oppression. And the more you oppress God's people, generally God's people will grow out of that through trials and tribulations. As they begin to cry out to the Lord to deliver them, it says they cried out of the iron furnace. God raised up Moses. He had spared Moses again when Pharaoh was killing all the firstborn of the Israelites. And out of that, a Savior came forth, kind of a foreshadow of Jesus, right? Remember, we read about Herod wanting to kill the firstborn, and yet Jesus came out. Moses is really a type of Jesus in the Scripture. And we talked recently about all of Moses' life, and again, that 40 years in Pharaoh's house, and then he wanted to, again, be about the business of God, and said the sufferings of Christ are better than the pleasures of Egypt. 40 years driven in the desert, and then he came back to declare it's time to let God's people go. Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then we read there in Exodus several chapters of these plagues that came upon Egypt. And listen, at any time they could have said, mercy, we give up God, let him go, we're going to bless Israel, and they would have been blessed because God was preserving Israel to bring forth the Savior of the world. They were short-sighted in seeing it. And Israel themselves, as it says here, they were short-sighted very much as well. They weren't fully understanding what was going on and all those plagues coming, even God keeping them and all that, those plagues. And then finally, remember, they were delivered out of Egypt, and this is so huge, through the shed blood of a lamb. Again, they had iniquity. Whenever there's iniquity, iniquity can only be washed if there's the shedding of blood, if there's a perfect sacrifice for a sinner, And so the Lord was teaching them of the Savior that would come, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And he told them each to take a lamb, take it in their home for all in that household. They would sacrifice that lamb. They would eat that lamb. Nothing would go to waste. And they would take the blood of that lamb and put it over their doorpost. that when that angel of death came through, they would be passed over and delivered out of Egypt. And they didn't understand it look at so many people don't understand it today they're sinners and they need to have their sins covered and jesus christ the lamb of god has shed his blood for their sin and they don't understand it they don't understand how dire it is they don't understand how holy god is they don't understand the eternal eternal consequences of dying in sin and eternal hell versus being forgiven and eternal heaven i pray that we'll grow in our understanding of that that it would stir us to be salt and light to a world that desperately needs the lord And so they were delivered out. They got by that Red Sea. And again, go back, read those chapters in Exodus. The glory. I mean, it's phenomenal. The miracles, the things. Frogs everywhere. Then, you know, dust turns into lice and flies, and the waters, blood, and hellstones coming down. And they're protected over here in Goshen. Darkness comes upon them. I mean, it's incredible. They were delivered out. And then they get there by that Red Sea and then here comes pharaoh's army because pharaoh hardened his heart he said what i do letting all those workers go i'm gonna go get them and yet god had a plan in that didn't he he wanted the picture to be bigger for all the world knowing pharaoh's army was destroyed but they got out there and what do they do it says that they forgot and what they do they begin to complain against god it says here uh, in verse 11 of Exodus 14, then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, you've taken us this way to die in the wilderness. We have so dwelt with us uh, to bring us up here out of Egypt. I try to say it in a little complaining voice and whatnot, you know. <laughs> Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Short memory, they were crying out, Lord, get us out of here. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge the Lord, and he'll make your path straight. You know what's glorious? They don't even acknowledge the Lord, but God still made their path straight. God still went before them. And listen, when we're tempted to charge God with wrong. Because of our lack of understanding, let's not forget like they forgot. They forgot that shed blood that got them out of Egypt. Let's not forget the shed blood of Jesus Christ that has saved our souls, that has gotten our names inscribed in heaven, that has allowed us to be recipients of the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. Now notice here in verse 8, this is a key word in this. Again, they were phenomenally delivered. They got out here they, before the Red Sea. They see Pharaoh's army coming. God even put a fire and then a cloud between them to protect them from Egypt. And they were short-sighted in that. But notice verse 8. And this is a huge word. Look, there's words like this in the Bible that are huge. One of them is, is the word but, B-U-T, where it says this, that, and so forth, but the Lord. And another huge one is nevertheless. Nevertheless is a glorious word it basically means despite that or despite them despite them not understanding despite them complaining nevertheless god was faithful god was merciful remember that every day look at i have struggles i have ups and downs there's times i don't understand i complain and so forth and you're like amen that's you pastor steve i'm speaking for all of us here right now nevertheless god is good nevertheless god is merciful verse 8 nevertheless he saved them for his name's sake that he might make his mighty power known he rebuked the red sea also and it dried up so he led them through the depths as through the wilderness he saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from notice here the hand of the enemy we got an enemy comes to steal kill and destroy it's a spiritual war the waters covered their enemies and not one of them was left. Then notice verse 12. Then they believed his words and they sang his praise. How much better to believe his word and sing his praise when you're between the Egyptians and the Red Sea. Boy, we want to do it then. But again, nevertheless, he's faithful. And sometimes it takes us learning again. Well, God, God, God went before me again. I better start believing. I better start praising. And so despite them, he saved them i love it there in exodus 14 13 they're standing there complaining and it says moses said to the people do not be afraid stand still and see the salvation of the lord which he will accomplish for you today we need to stand still more ourselves and acknowledge the salvation god has accomplished for us i love verse 14 the lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and he talks here again about touching the Red Sea with his staff and the things splitting. And then verse 18 says, then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. See, God had a plan in it god wasn't just torturing them god wasn't say, hey you know what you know what the father said to the son let's mess with them right now okay doesn't that sound like a good plan let's lead them out we'll lead them to a sea and then we'll bring the egyptian army behind them just to, you know mess with their you know their psyche and whatnot you know Let, let's just re-. no god had a plan God was bringing it this way so that all the world, all the more would know of the power of God as well as those people in Egypt who God loved as well. Look, remember a mixed multitude left out of Israel or out of Egypt with Israel. There were Egyptians that said, yes, I want God. I want Jehovah. I want to be covered by the blood. And there were still people there that were reeling from what would happen. And God wanted to send a message to them. I am God. It's not the God of the Nile and all of these false deities that you worship. Verse uh, chapter fourteen, verse thirty of Exodus says: So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. So again, He saved them from the enemy. Those, as it says here, hated them, enslaved them. Those that killed their babies. And we talked a lot about that the last few weeks. Then they believed, again, his words. Then they worshiped. If you go to Exodus 15, it's a psalm there. It's the psalm of Moses. You throw the horse and the rider into the sea. Again, God, you brought the victory. And, you know, I I laugh because sometimes I've seen a few of these, you know, like, history channel, uh, you know, documentaries on the Red Sea and the Exodus. And, you know, they go back to you know, there's a certain pathway there. But when the water's low, you can walk through it, and so forth. And that's definitely how they got through. Well, look at the problem with that is, how did uh, Pharaoh's army then drown in two feet of water? Again, man, trying to explain away or, or even put put a natural explanation, guys. This is supernatural. Just so you know, we serve a supernatural God who's allowed to do supernatural things. He's not subjected to the laws of the universe that he put in place. You need to know that. Again, God delivered them and they came out believing his word. And I'll tell you, the more you get into his word, and the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word, the more you will be a worshiper of God. If your worship has waned, it is because your study of the word has waned, or you're reading, but you're not really reading. You're reading, but you're not really hearing. I'll tell you, generally it's true, a man who will not really worship is a man who really does not believe the word of God. Because even what we read so far this morning, if you believe even half this, don't you want to worship the Lord? And hopefully we've all of it. Look at you, you read the scripture. It should well up a praise in our heart. Our God is good despite me, despite us, despite fallen man. Notice verse 13. Again, verse eight, nevertheless, he saved them. And then notice verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They forgot, they didn't remember. And they did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. This goes back to, we've already, again, we're touching on those sayings in First Corinthians. These things are written for example. And he, <clears throat> excuse me, gave them the request, but sent leanness into their soul. Again, they got out of, uh, out of that, that jam. The Lord led them out. And then God began to provide for them daily provision. He gave them a thing called manna. It means, what is it? You know, it came and they're like, what What is it? and you know there's different efforts to try to say what it was but really if we're honest we got to say what is it as well we know that it was a daily provision from the lord i mean estimates are there were up to two million israelites out there in the desert and really god providing for them for 40 years in the desert you could argue is a greater miracle than that red sea splitting and all the egyptians getting washed away in the midst of it so he was providing for them but they soon forgot the goodness of God and they got impatient with God. You ever get impatient with God, anyone in the room? He's so long-suffering with us. He's so patient with us. We would do well to learn to be patient with him, to wait on him knowing his time is perfect. Again, they give him so many great promises, but they got impatient this is in numbers 11 and they begin to beg god lord the manna is not enough we gotta have meat instead of rejoicing in the manna being patient with god lord we need meat you know probably sound like the, the 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 girl from the willy wonka i got to have my meat i want it now i need my meat now lord where's the in and out burger out here in the wilderness it was out really times 100 probably. They, they, they begin to complain against God. And notice here verse 15, God gave them the request. Be careful what you pray for. Because we read there in Numbers 11 that just quail came in and overtook the land. It was like, you want meat. It's kind of like, you know, the, the old stories. Um, I smoked one cigarette once as a kid. I didn't like it. I'm like, who's wasting? I was a little miser. I'm like, I would never waste my money on this. But the dad that we catch, the the kid smoking a cigarette, like, you're doing the whole carton. You're going to smoke that whole carton, and then we'll see if you like smoking cigarettes. That's biblical, because God says, you want quail? I'm going to give you more quail than you know what to do with. And we see the quail just came and overtook the land, and then notice Numbers 11.33. And the, the reason this happened, because they weren't thankful. They didn't say, oh, praise God, you're so good, despite us you're giving us meat to eat and let's prepare this properly and eat it and and partake of it in a manner that's worthy of the call of christ instead they just savagely went after all this meat that god had provided and it says there are numbers 11 but while the meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed the wrath of the lord was aroused against the people and the lord struck the people with a very great plague so he called the name of the place uh, Kibroth because they were because they uh buried the people who had yielded to the craving and so again really they got what they wanted but it brought a leanness or a plague upon their person and more so on their soul and let me tell you when you always want to race ahead of god when you don't want to wait on the lord and be patient for the lord but instead you want to follow lust and even your prayers are lustful and this is where we got to be honest because we can get real good at disguising prayers on our end, but God knows the true motive. Listen, that, when those things come to fruition, and sometimes they just do through our own efforts and so forth, it brings a leanness to your soul. It doesn't bring a blessing to your soul. And at the end of the day, listen, there's nothing more valuable in your whole person than your soul. The Lord said, what's a profit of man if he gains the whole world and loses a soul? And as believers, we want to worship God in our soul. So look at a plague came to those that craved that meat and it broke out in many of them. As we read there in Corinthians, if you read the text here, they dropped dead. And we don't want to misinterpret God's grace and mercy as an invitation to embrace fleshly lust, because he will correct his own. And this was a correction brought to them, and you better believe it was 100% gracious and merciful. Look at an orphan running around with no correction from a father. That's not a picture of love or grace, but a father that loves his child and corrects him, that's a picture of mercy and grace. But listen, nevertheless, God continued to work in their midst because he's a merciful. Because the last verse there of Numbers 11 says, well, then God moved them on to the next place. Aren't you glad that God is merciful towards us? Now notice verse 16. And when they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and covered the... Faction of abiram a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. This is from number 16. It's a historical song. It's getting all these historical accounts again of Israel's rebellion and God's mercy. We know this was really headed up by a man named Korah. They got 250 leaders to join in. They were envious of Moses, who God had ordained and anointed and appointed to be the head of Israel during this season. Listen, here's the thing though. They were envious of his position. I guarantee you they weren't envious of his actual job. And if they really would have stepped back and realized this guy deals with complaining, a complaining nation day in and day out, they probably would have reconsidered. But again, this was driven by lust. This was envy of the position. They were saying, hey, we're supposed to be the ones in charge. In fact, in Numbers sixteen thirty-three, it says, they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourself, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? And let me tell you something about pride. It makes us very short-sighted, and we don't see situations as they really are. Because they were saying, Moses, you exalt, yourself about, you exalt yourself above everyone else. But notice what we read earlier there in Numbers, what it says actually about Moses. And I know Moses wrote this, but the Holy Spirit moved on him to write this. It says, now the man Moses was very humble. Notice here, more than all men who are on the face of the earth. Yeah, I know he wrote it. It wasn't I'm proud to be humble. The Spirit of God moved him to write that the most humble man on the face of the earth. And yet this prideful group moving with envy said, you exalt yourself above the congregation. The sad thing is all those men had vital roles in the nation of Israel. Most of them were Levites. They had a vital role in the worship of the Lord. But I'll tell you, these individuals that rise up, again, it's always out of pride. And then sadly, they always lead many others astray. Because they would lead a whole group astray. Basically, what came down there was a there there, there was a standoff where they both got uh, fire in their sensors. Uh, Moses and Aaron had you know the fire from the altar. These other groups, this other group brought in a strange fire. Moses even said, "Look at if you're on that side, you're going to go down." And and that was him being gracious, a last minute effort. Some actually got away from that group and then it says the earth literally split open and that group and everyone on 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 their team was literally sucked down into hell and then the ground closed up again you know what right in front of them this is what's really crazy though number 1641 on the next day uh, the next day, the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. How quickly we forget. Let's not forget. Amen. Verse 19, they made a calf and oram and worshiped the molten image. Thus they changed the glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. Again, notice the words here. They forgot God, their savior who had done great things in Egypt wondrous works in the land of ham awesome things by the red sea therefore he said that he would destroy them had not moses his chosen one stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he destroy them he kind of backtracks now he's going back to moses going up to mount sinai to get the ten commandments he was up there for a while and then the people said hey what happened to this moses guy you know where did he go and it says that they said, You know what? Come, let us make gods that should go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what became of him. Oh, where's this Moses guy? And then sadly, this is in Exodus 32, verse two, Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, uh, which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people brought off, broke off their golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And Aaron received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molten calf. And he said, this is the God that delivered you listen, Aaron introduced a false doctrine to appease the people. That's a big no-no for any minister. You don't twist God's word to appease fleshly people. You rightly divide the word to appease God. Now again, God was gracious with Aaron. Aaron would repent. God was gracious towards him. But boy, you don't want to enter into those places. A false doctrine brought him. Again, it says that basically massive debauchery broke out in the group. It says they rose up to play. And I won't even get into the description of the Hebrew, but let me tell you, it's like Vegas, uh, you know what, uh, on, on crack cocaine times 10. It was a massive uh, picture of debauchery. In fact, Joshua, who we've been reading about on Wednesday night, it, you know what, he heard it, he says, it sounds like there's war in the camp. And God said, you need to get down and tend to these people. And he went down there and look at Moses, Moses, a type of Jesus. Yes, he chastened them because he grounded up that golden calf, threw it in the water and made them drink it, but he interceded for them because God even said, get out of the way. I'm going to destroy them and I'll raise up a nation through you. And again, this, is what, this wasn't God waffling in his plans, but it was God allowing us to see a type of Jesus. Moses interceded, Moses prayed, Moses stood before God in the breach between Israel and God. And let me tell you again, Moses is a picture of Christ. Moses himself said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, him you shall hear in all things. And know this this morning, this morning, unless jesus stands in the breach between your sin and god almighty you're under the wrath of god moses turned away that wrath in interceding and praying and jesus christ turns away the wrath that is on us because of our sin well you're like i'm a good person you are not and neither am i by god's standard hopefully your neighbor does say you're a good person that's fine and good but your neighbor's not the judge of the universe it's God who is perfect and holy and without sin and the Bible says there's no good no not one but there was one good one Jesus Christ lived a sinless life died on the cross took the wrath to us rose from the grave and when you put your faith in him you become a person No longer under the law that damns you, but under grace that saves you, under the blood of Jesus that saves you. Aren't you glad that Jesus stands in the breach this morning? Isn't that reason to praise him and give thanks today? More examples. Verse 24, then they despised the pleasant land and did not believe his word, but complained in their tents. You're like, well, I don't live in a tent, but we complain in our hearts and our home a whole lot, don't we, at times and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised up his hand in an oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations and scatter them in the lands. We just read about this, or we recapped it this last Wednesday night. Because this is a picture when they went into the promised land to spy it out. And Caleb and Joshua came back with a good report. God's gonna give us the land according to his word. But the other 10 spies despised the word of God because they went and they saw the giants in the land and they said, we'll be consumed by them. Boom, God had said, no, you'll get victory. So they despised God's word even when God's word was go and you'll get victory. Can you imagine despising that? But don't we despise God's word when we are found in those places where we're not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And he says, all these other things will be added unto you. Well, I'll go about it my own way. It's really despising God's word. They went and they grumbled in their tents, but here's the thing, if we grumble in our tent, our hearts, or in our homes, God still hears it. As a result of this, they were 40 years in that wilderness, and sadly, it would set a pattern that you would see throughout the Old Testament when they would fall into these places of doubt and not believing the Lord and the ways of the world were they be given over to Gentile nations to again God in his mercy to correct them, to bring them back to a place of crying out to the Lord. Verse twenty-eight, another example. They joined themselves also to Baal of Peor, and ate sacrifices made to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds. The plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and intervened. The plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. This is in Numbers 22 through 24 and Numbers uh, 25 and 31. Balak, the king of Moab, saw all the victories that Israel was given, getting, and then he hired Balaam, who is not a prophet of God, but he is a warlock, a soothsayer. He was a witch. He hired Balaam to curse Israel. This guy was a high level witch is what he was. And he interacted with demons and powers and principalities on high levels. Let me tell you, these things still go on today. So he hired him. And we know the account there, a donkey tries to restrain his madness. You know, it speaks to him and whatnot. But he was so wanting the reward from men, he went anyway with those men who didn't ask him to go. He went anyway. And then God says, you won't be able to curse my people. You can only bless them. And then of four different positions above Israel, all he could do was bless them. But here's the thing, listen, Balaam really wanted that reward. Balaam really wanted that recognition. And we learn later in Numbers 31 that Balaam said to Balak, I can't curse them, but I can tell you how to stumble them. This is how you stumble them. You send your harlots in amongst those men. And those men will fold like a deck of cards And God will be the one that will go in and correct them. Because they'll, again, fold like a deck of cards to the women, and then they'll follow those women and their idolatry. Let me tell you guys something this morning. Weak men are the biggest problem in the world today. The fold like a deck of cards when a little bit of pornography flashes up or a little bit of temptation comes before them. And I know, I know the devil has worked hard to, to break down the morality of our nation, but I want to encourage you this morning, men, not to make your aim to be a crust of bread because it says that a man that follows a harlot is like a crust of bread, but instead to say, I wanna be a tool in the master's hand. So give me self-control, God. Help me to fight the good fight, God. If I fall, I wanna get back up and I want to see change in my life because God wants to bring change and renew minds and we do not limit God and what God wants to do and will do if we allow him to do what he wants to do and what he will do, amen. As a result, a plague broke out there in Israel. You look at our nation, you're like, what a plague. How did this plague break out? You can really kind of trace it back to Hugh Hefner. And they introduced the introduction of Playboy magazine into our culture. That's a pivotal time in the history of our country. where, 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 where uh, it was It's very similar to this, where it came on the scene and look where we are now. We are, we are a nation, you can argue, that is plagued. You know, it's hard to argue against that. Yes, God is gracious. The fact we're here today, the fact that we're in California here today, God is gracious, amen? Amen. But there is a plague in our midst. As this plague broke out, basically Numbers 25 alludes to one man with one of these Midianite women engaging in sin in front of the, the tabernacle of the Lord. And Phineas the high priest took a, javelin a spear and went and he speared through both of them and killed them and it says the plague stopped people say man that's harsh that's extreme well let me tell you for sin to stop someone has to die the wages of in his death someone has to die praise god jesus was pierced for us and he dealt with our sin and like moses phineas is a type of jesus who again has made the way for the plague to stop. Verse 32, we got one page of notes left here. They angered him also at the waters of strife. So they went ill with Moses on account of them because they rebelled against the spirit so that he spoke rashly with his lips. These people made it difficult for Moses to lead. Constant complaining, rebellion, accusations, envy, Hebrews thirteen seven says obey those who rule over you be submissive for they watch out for your souls and listen Moses watched out for the souls of those people like few others as those who must give an account let them do it with joy not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you but Moses the most humble man on the face of the earth finally cracked i remember the lord said to speak to the rock and water would come out and moses just said i am sick of these people took a step and began to hell haymakers upon that rock you want water here's your stinking water i'm paraphrasing that that cost moses interest, entrance into the promised land but again god had a bigger reason for that john 117, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. The law shows us we're sinners. It came through Moses. Jesus is the one that saves us. Verse 34, they did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. We're called to be a separate people. We need to know that. Yes, we want to go meet this world with the gospel. But our aim as the church should never to be like the world. And there's a lot of mingling going along in Christendom today with the world. They serve their idols, which became a snare to them. Look at verse 37. These are the people God. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the lamb was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. Sadly, if you look at the percentage of abortions by people who say they're Christians and non-Christians, you know the numbers are the same. That's a church that's mingled with the world. It says we want to embrace a sacrifice unto idols with our own children because what's what's the lie that says your life will be better if you terminate this life? It, it, It was the same back then. Give this baby to Baal, he'll bless you, you'll have a better life. As told today, sacrifice this baby, you'll have a better life. Satan's the author of death, but Jesus Christ is the author of life. And I'll tell you, he'll forgive, he'll wash, he has And he will, and he will in days to come, those that partake of that lie, he is the giver of life. But I'll tell you, as a church, if we keep mingling with the world, and you see a whole lot of mingling with the world in the church, taking sin and let's let's try to justify a certain sin and make provision for it in the church because we need to walk on eggshells because if we call sin sin we're called homophobic or haters or whatever else nonsense god's truth is for every generation and that's not even loving those people on those sins but you even see a plague in our nation i think you look around christian praise god look at there, there's a lot of, still a, a remnant of, of solid pastors and churches, but I think you could argue there's, there's a plague in much of what you would call Christianum, which most of it is actually outside of the church's false gospels, um, you know, at false teachers running amok and all like, oh, that's, that's not just my opinion. That's the prophetic word concerning the last days. Verse 40, therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance and he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles and those who hated them ruled over them. You know, Satan hates you this morning, but when we say I wanna walk in the world's way, I wanna follow my own lust, you can be a Christian but still have the enemy ruling over your life. You're like, oh, I can't be demon possessed. I believe that too, but you can be oppressed and you can be demonized. The enemy will come in and he wants to rob, steal, kill, and destroy joy and peace. It quenches the work of the spirit of God. And God will even allow that to happen because he's not gonna pour out his spirit on rebellion. He wants to get our attention more we're in such a place because he has better things for us. Their enemies also oppress them. And they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel. Again, they counseled amongst one another. What to do? And it wasn't repent, let's continue on in our pattern. And were brought low for their iniquity. Notice verse 44, nevertheless, he regarded their affliction. Don't you marvel at the mercy and grace of God? All these examples and we were like, oh, another one, another one, another one. It was to get us down to verse 44. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. Maybe you're afflicted this morning. It's time to cry out, it's time to get real with God. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercies. And he also made them to be pitied by all those who carried them away captive. Listen, the mercy of God endures forever. And before we just say, oh, back old Israel and all those dirty old Jews. No, that's those dirty old Christians who fall and stumble and get up and so forth. You're like, but I I never went out to Baal of Peor and engaged engaged with the harlots. But how many times have you lusted in your heart, man? How many times have we hated in our heart? How many times have we had a wicked motive even a ministry so I would be exalted on the platform of Jesus Christ? God is merciful. Lord, let us not take your mercy for granted. Notice verse 47. And again, really, it was a pattern. They came from this where they'd be oppressed, they'd cry out, they'd be delivered, and they'd go back to sin. Notice verse 47. Save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us up from among the Gentiles. To do what? To live like Gentiles? No. To give thanks to your holy name. To triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. From everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. Can we say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's stand up and close in prayer and worship. Boom. Boom. 25 after right on point. That was like a verse a minute. That might be a record. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We give you glory and honor. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you are so merciful. You are gracious. I thank you, Lord, for that word, despite. (laughs) Despite us, you are good, Lord. Let us be found a people abounding in praise and thanksgiving obedience to our lord and god we know we can't muster that on our own lord we know that we need to be found abiding in you and i pray we'd be found in that place god oh lord grant us great grace and mercy as a people and stir up and well up that praise and thanksgiving this day and the lord willing the days to come if you're here today and you don't know the lord jesus you have no one standing in the breach for you But Jesus stands ready to be the mediator between you and God. He took the wrath of you upon himself. Will you accept that forgiveness and the free gift of salvation? The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's a genuine repentance. It's genuinely saying, yes, God, forgive me. Wash me, Lord. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I yield to you. Listen, he'll meet you where you're at. If that's you, call on him right now we bless your name and praise you god let us finish well giving you worship this morning let's let's praise the lord as we finish here
1: His strength alone; the arm of flesh will fail.
0: Amen. well god bless you i pray you have a wonderful day in the lord encourage others and be blessed in the lord jesus christ